Yahoo Sports NBA writer Sirit Sohi talks jazz basketball and teen TV. This is the very first podcast to ever have a crossover of sports and pop culture. It's Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. I'm JP Chunga. Podcast brought to you by Bailey's Moving and Storage. We move you every step of the way, near or far, big or small. Bailey's Moving and Storage. Sirit Sohi gives out life advice, and also, she picked this team not to make the playoffs, but she's reformed. We get into a reformation when we talk. Fun conversation with Sirit, and I hope you stick around for it. Wrapping up this week, as it's a little bit uneven, one win against the Celtics, and then a loss against the Wizards, it segues pretty perfectly into the discussion with Sirit that we have concerning playmaking. We talk about, can Donovan Mitchell improve on his playmaking how does one improve on their playmaking not everybody's going to come into the league as a Luka Doncic level playmaker played pro overseas for years he was a number one option Donovan played baseball growing up and then fell into this basketball thing but steadily he's improved his game he's at his highest assist percentage over his entire career this season 26.2. He's been asked to do more and more each year, and he's taken that and evolved into an all-star. And it's more important when you consider there are seven more back-to-backs left, and for the Jazz to be managing Mike Conley's hamstring tightness on those back-to-backs, you're going to face this problem once again, where you're going to ask more of Donovan being the lead point. It's not that there's a point guard traditionally on every single team. It's positionless basketball. We realize it's 2021. But that creation needs to come from somewhere. Are you creating your own shot or are you creating and helping others? So more is going to be asked of Joe Ingles, of Jordan Clarkson even, and Boyan Bogdanovich on top of that. Can they get into the middle and find those outside shooters, those marksmen that the Jazz have relied on the entire first half? That's going to be high priority on those back-to-backs. So, once again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Like, subscribe, five stars, nicer views, that's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. The conversation coming up with Sirit Sohi. Don't worry, more than half of it is about basketball, the contenders, even a tears list from Sirit. She gives basketball life advice for fans that you want to hear and stick around for. But then we get into teen TV and how there have been shows that have spawned off of what I think is the best among them, the OC, and how it leads to Gossip Girl and Riverdale. She's passionate about it. I'm passionate about it. As always, there are timestamps in the description of this podcast. If you make it to the end, thank you so much. I value every single listener that listens to this podcast, downloads, subscribes, leaves the review. It means a lot that you trust me enough to have an interesting conversation about basketball and teen TV. So enjoy Sirit Sohi of Yahoo Sports NBA. We started our conversation talking about our old Twitter handle, at Damian Trillard.
When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com. me being a weird person in, in university and kind of just, you know when, you know like, I feel like when you're young and you have the option to switch usernames a lot, you're kind of just gonna take it. Like you're just, it's like trying on new clothes. Um, so I actually had a ton of different usernames on or handles on Twitter and that one just kind of stuck. I mean, I always obviously love Dame, fantastic player, but, yeah, it was just, it, first of all, it, like, as soon as I did it, like, it got love. So I was like, okay. But there was actually a point where I spelt it wrong at first, and my username was Damien Trilliard. Like, <laughs> okay. real, he real heads know, you know. Um, but <laughs> I decided to just keep that for a while, and then I changed it to Damien Trilliard. So there is, like, a little bit of a step-by-step -step process there that, you know, exclusive for you that people did not know so i'll take congratulations yeah look this is the big j journalism on utahjazz.com what were the rejected names what were the what ones were that the you tried names? out that you tried out that didn't work oh man i had a bunch the one that i remember the most is like I, it was called rivers and roads and it was named after like this indie song um after I went to a music festival, it was just like, that's going to be my personality now. That didn't last too long. Uh, <laughs> switch it <laughs> to something basketball related pretty soon thereafter. <laughs> Plur Paul George never caught on? Plur, sorry, what, what Paul George? Peace, love, unity, respect. Plur. Oh, like, I, what, what is that? Music festival stuff. Oh. Yeah, I guess, I guess I just didn't like peace, love, unity, and what was the fourth thing? Respect. respect. Yeah, just not a not a big fan of those things, wow. such as respect respecting the jazz, was not something I did enough of. Well, and as you know, I mean, jazz fans, <laughs> we're looking for people who have disrespected the mm -hmm. the Utah jazz. You mm -hmm. were one of them, though, at yeah. the beginning of the year, calling yeah. an implosion this team number one in the west number one in the league to be a team to disrespect so before i do any of the explanations i want you to know that these aren't excuses i fully know that this is this is these are dumb reasons <laughs> so uh well, first of all like the one thing i'll say to defend myself is like when i was tweeting about this like i was literally just like i was i, I think i tweeted something along the lines of uh, there comes that time of year again where I have to, you know, underrate a team in the Western Conference. Like, apologies in advance for being wrong to Utah Jazz fans. So, part of me did see it coming. Um, the biggest mistake I made, I think, was assuming assuming regression when there was some, right? Like, instead of assuming a bounce back. Like, they had, a, they had regression in terms of, first of all, Mike Conley, right? I did not see Mike Conley coming back this healthy and fitting in this well with the team. 
Um, there were obviously kind of like the murmurs of stuff between Donovan and, and Gobert. And like, I, you know, it's just some curiosity about how that would end up playing out. And, you know, like it just, I, I guess, I guess the biggest thing was I didn't, and this was, it was actually like quite a, a glaring mistake because of everything that this team has been to date, especially Donovan Mitchell has been to date in terms of just like improving on every little thing. Um, but I didn't really see enough of like the little improvements that I should have seen. Um, and more than anything else, like, I needed a team to not make the Western Conference playoffs. <laughs> like, I really – so I talked myself into it. I talked myself into it. In hindsight, I look back at it, and it's like, okay, should I talk myself into, like, this this big, complex breakdown for this team that's, like, generally been pretty pretty steady, right? Or should I just assume that the Pelicans won't be able to shoot? Probably should have assumed that the Pelicans wouldn't be able to shoot, you know? Um, but, no, these guys are honestly, man, like, these guys are so fun. I really enjoy watching them. They're one of my favorite teams this season like they kind of exemplify all the things I love about basketball and I just I've always been such a big fan of Donovan Mitchell like pretty much like I, I profiled him I think probably like in January of his of his rookie year yeah January like 2019 was... I look back don't oh, worry you did Sierra don't worry oh, oh okay well then you know what I'm just gonna let you take over then do your thing you profiled him in in 2019 and learning mm -hmm. about his decision to go pro which mm -hmm. he didn't even think he was going to be drafted when he comes out of Louisville and then all of a sudden he's a 13 pick and, and the jazz select him. What did you see in that rookie year that started to get you on Donovan Mitchell and, and thinking he would be one of those players that might burst out and become a star? Oh, if I remember correctly, the biggest thing at that point was just how much improvement he had made from just the first few months of the season to how he was playing in the second half. Um, he is just kind of gone from like being you know, like, inefficient and not really fitting in that well on the court to, like, just, like, at some point something just clicked. And I think there were – I mean, there were a number of reasons for that. Like, the big one that really stuck out to me is I remember Quinn Snyder saying at the time that they basically just ended up realizing that all of the packages that they had for Gordon Hayward, they could actually just give to Donovan. And, like, their biggest issue at that point was just trying to figure out how much – like, if, if – like, they, they were worried about giving him too much. Um, but the more that they gave him, the more he was learning. And, like, I just kind of realized in that discussion, like, his information processing system was just a little bit better than your average person's, right? Or not even a little bit better, a lot better, right? Um, and, like, you know, in the time since, like, there's been a lot of great reporting on, you know, just the way that Donovan's brain works. And, like, you know, I think, uh, like, like Ben Dowson has done some of the best work on, you know, Donovan and range and just, um, you know, like, music baseball and all those things impacting his his ability to just to just learn like learning is a skill that he's actually you know quite good at um and I think that was something that that stuck stuck out really early like one of the other things that Quinn said at the time was that you know they gave him a finishing package in the preseason with like 12 moves and he like he had them down pat by then and like that's just not something that they ever saw from a developmental perspective so from there, it was just, it was just really clear. And his attitude is good. His attitude's always been good. And then you see, you just see it over and over again with him, you know, like the thing that always sticks out to me is what Kyle Korver said about him after they lost in the playoffs. So just like this, look, man, like this guy's going to go back 
and like this summer it's you know it's going to be tough for him but like I have full confidence in, in him and like you've just never really seen like a young leader like him and stuff like that so um by the all, all the all things that by the way should have maybe not predicted they would implode <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like that was that was kind of the first the first time that I was like okay like I need to I need to just keep like my finger on the pulse of this guy and like in the in the time since like I've been able to write a few few other stories about him and he's always a delight to talk to and he's always in some sort of like he's always kind of like getting in and out of a funk and learning a new thing about his game and I think like the thing that bothers me about the public perception of Donovan is that like there's this idea that he's just consistently been the same player uh, because of his efficiency but I think the thing that people don't really like dig into and look is like okay why is his efficiency staying the same it's because he's consistently trying new things like he's always adding new things and like you see that this season with his with his pull-up three that's probably the biggest improvement he's made in terms not the biggest improvement but probably the most effective improvement he's made um into his game and like that comes with growing pain you know that comes with times that you just have to miss over and over again and like you know I've always just been really impressed with his willingness to do that. I mean, he's super self-aware in being able to diagnose what he needs to improve on. It was the year before I came on to the team where it was more making the right reads and the right passes. He didn't come in with the Luca level of mastery of knowing and making the right decision every single time. It's been just a couple of years since he's been a fully formed number one option basketball player. Like he wasn't a number one option at his high school team when he's playing with all of those pros. And now as you see him in year four, they're asking him to make more reads and you see it in all of the passes that he's able to make with that drive a kick that you've noticed and you've enjoyed watching. Is that something that can be learned though? Can you become that better of a playmaker. I remember, uh, what was it, last year that John Hollinger had his playmaker rankings, mm -hmm. and Donovan was pretty low. I think he's gotten better this year, but can a player learn how to playmake to the level that a team rises above the fold and is a top contender in the West? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Like, I think with Donovan, he could use he could use a few more passes in his arsenal like he kind of I wrote about this like a few weeks ago with Jamal Murray about how he really needs a behind the back pass um and I think that like you see it a little bit more from Donovan I think but I think he could definitely use a little bit more of that um because he he kind of like jump stops and passes or he'll like jump pass and stuff and I think that, like, if he had a few more one-handers, a few more, like, smoother passes where he could just go straight off the dribble and, and be able to hit guys, like, that would that would definitely help him. But, like, he actually ha he hasn't had to work on that a lot either just because, like, he plays a lot in pick and roll and, like, Gobert isn't a pick and pop threat. Uh, so I think, like, right there, that's an improvement that I think he could make and, and probably become a better playmaker. But I also I, – but I definitely think that type of thing can be improved. And – and Donovan is proof of that. Um, you know, like certain guys don't do it, but I think when you have a willingness to learn and like, you know, you're going over the game tape consistently, you can. Um, and you see with Donovan, the interesting thing is that like, he does it and then he doesn't, you know? Like, I don't think, I don't think Donovan's playmaking issues necessarily come from the fact that like, he's not 
a good playmaker. I think sometimes he just gets tunnel vision. Um, and, like, you've seen that in a few games this season. You haven't seen it a lot, but I think if you just cut that out a little bit and learn to balance that at the end, which is difficult, right? Like, that's – those things take a career, you know? Like, you, you see Chris Paul do stuff like that. It's like, well, he's had all this time. Or, like, Mike Conley with his decision-making, too. It's just, like, you hone that stuff over time. So, I think he can. I don't think he's going to be Luka Doncic ever. Like, that's not really no. in the cards for him. But I, but I can't – I do see him being able to get to a level, like – you know, I think I think Damian Lillard is a guy that has improved his, his playmaking consistently throughout his career, right? Like, that type of trajectory, probably not on the level of playmaking that, that Dame has, but that trajectory in terms of his improvement is definitely in the cards for Donovan. Like, he, he's a he's a smart player. I don't really want to put any limits on, on what he can do. Like, the only things where I, I think it's like he probably can't get to are that level of, like, you just see the game in a different way, the way that the natural, like the, the natural playmaking point guards in the league do. But like getting right below that level, I think is definitely in the cards for him. What has been most watchable for this team? Why are basketball hipsters enjoying watching the Utah Jazz? Um, for me personally, like my favorite thing about basketball right now might just be like watching Joe Ingles shoot. Well, he Joe needs to Ingles do it more. Like, he needs to do it more, more and more. He passes up shots. He's, he, I think, he, I think he's like kind of like maybe just realizing just how good his release is, right? Like it's gotten quicker and quicker every year. Um, do you think he I, really? Because I think, man, sometimes like Joe Joe Ingles shoots like an like I'm gonna I'm trying not to make this sound hyperbolic, hyperbolic, but like. He shoots, like, when Clay Thompson doesn't have his feet set, you know? But he does that, like, on a regular basis um, in a good way. So do you, think he, do you think he passes up too many shots? Like, I don't know. I think he's a great playmaker. I've always thought he had a good balance of that. Do you want, you want to see him kind of – like, what do you – like, I'm, I'm curious where, where your head is at with that. I think in his brain he thinks – I have to play make this team needs another a playmaker on the floor. I'm mm. usually with a, a second unit and it comes on me to initiate offense. I'm good at that. So I need to mm -hmm. do that first before getting into my own flow of shooting shots. There are ruts where he gets into having a wide open shot that he'll drive and kick, which obviously the jazz love to do. And it's huge with their offense. Sometimes he does it to a, a comic comically in the way that he passes up shots where he's so wide open that yeah. he's just trying to get others into the field. And maybe that's part of the, we're at a not even undergrad level of basketball. He's at a PhD where he knows I need to get George Niang into the flow before I can start taking shots. Maybe. And I think there's also something to keep Gobert involved in the offense as well. I feel like Ingles is always pretty aware of that as well and is also just like one of the best guys on the team at finding him too i love those um like this is where ingles and, and bogey both i think really eat like when they have a big man come up and like pretend to screen for one of them and screen for mitchell slash pretend to screen for mitchell and then screen for one of them like it's so confusing for the defense and all of those guys can make plays so it's like it's just stuff it's almost always like either a floater or stuff at the paint um and I think like for Ingles coming off of those like I feel like that's usually that's usually where he's in those positions like 
I think he's just reading the defense for the most part. Like, obviously, I think every time, like, you can almost always shoot a floater, right? And I think with his touch, it's like you might as well. Uh, but I do think there's something to just kind of keeping those guys involved, especially, like, when it's a little bit harder with, like, the traditional pick-and-roll threats to, to be able to do that because the defense is a little bit more keyed into it. Um, but that said, man, like, it's my favorite thing. So if you want Joe Ingles to shoot more, I have no problem with that. <laughs> his fake his fake pass, then the floater, is also oh, yes. obviously beautiful that he does off that Gobert pick-and-roll. He's like six, seven Chris Paul sometimes. Yes. Now that he's rekindled with Derek Favors, he can utilize it more when he's with that second unit mm-hmm. and, and Favors is on the floor a little bit more. Is there a difference, I don't know, in jazz fan mind and respect and who's disrespecting us? Is it better to be loved by the Zach Lowe's, the Sirit Sohees, the basketball heads over <laughs> casuals on Twitter who jump into the mentions and just have the insane exploding head emoji. Well, thanks for mentioning me alongside Zach. That's highly unnecessary, but I appreciate it. Um, I think it doesn't matter who likes you, honestly. This is a life lesson. This is true. <laughs> um the smart people are because that's a that's like the beautiful thing about basketball right i think like the people who really watch it um they can tell you why something happened no one can tell you what's going to happen next though like on some level you can but that's not going to like me me liking them or like the jazz having like the back basketball hipster cognoscenti's approval is not going to mean anything like you know, the 60-win Atlanta Hawks had plenty of approval from, from basketball lovers, right? Like, that's that type of stuff is – like, I think it, I think the Jazz lend themselves to a style that I think if you're a basketball nerd, you just really like. Like, honestly, like, they just – the way that they zip the ball around the floor, it's just so much fun to watch. Um, and I think, like, somebody like me is just naturally going to be more inclined to that because, like, all I'm doing is watching basketball. So when somebody perfects it, it just does mean a little bit more to me, right? Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have a better shot than some of the teams that are a little bit, I don't know, like clunkier in the regular season, right? Um, like, I don't know. If I was a Jazz fan, like, I would just embrace all of it. You know, like, is that all-star, the all-star break? It was a tough two days. Um, yeah. Back to back. Yeah. But here's how I'd look at it. I couldn't tell you if the Jazz have a shot, right? Like, I just did this thing about no one knows anything, right? Mm-hmm. If the Jazz win the finals, or if the Jazz even go to the finals, or if they even knock out one of the L.A. teams, it is just going to be so much sweeter that all of that other stuff happens. Like, just the, the, the should and fraud that everyone else has towards the Jazz, or really Jazz fans right now, it's just – oh my gosh, like injected in my veins if I'm a jazz fan right now, because like, it's, it's fun. And that's part of like, that's kind of like the back and forth with being a fan is, is, is like, that's, that's just what it's all about. Right. So just embrace it. Like be the villain. Like the jazz aren't a villain, but if you're a jazz fan, like just kind of like be cool with it. Like everyone's going to hate when you win. Right. And maybe they shouldn't, and I get that as a point, but if they do, it's going to be pretty damn sweet for you, right? It'd be amazing 
for jazz fans if they were able to see uh, Lakers in the Western Conference Finals after they're brutalized on their run, having to go through the second round where they might have to play Phoenix or you avoid the Clippers and they're in the same bracket as the other LA team. Like that's why there's so much importance for the jazz in, in securing number one so that they can see the standings play out as them one, mm -hmm. the LA teams, two, three, mm -hmm. four, somebody you can, you can really work with in a Phoenix or a Portland or a Denver and things line your way to the ones that really concern you or that Western conference finals with, an LA team. And that would be yeah. huge because not only would you be on the, on the high of going to the finals, you would have already, you get the high of, of beating an LA team, which is yeah. just beautiful for any Western conference team. Is there like an Eastern conference equivalent for this? Was, is it like beating the heat if they had a chance? Mm, I feel like the heat are the jazz of the Eastern conference. Oh, I like this. Like the, ne the nets are like the Lakers. Well, like the star power and hype and okay. big market and all that stuff with the Lakers and, and the Nets. Um, the Heat play really smart. They have a coach that does a, that, that that loves making like these little tiny adjustments that that end up making a huge difference in the game. Um, I think like, hmm, let me think about this more. Are there any Butler and Butler and Mitchell kind of play in a similar style in in some ways, but they're very different players. But, you know, having – like, Butler and Mitchell are kind of on that same level of stardom, though, where you might not necessarily – like, maybe you should, but you might not necessarily put them in that in the upper upper rankings. Um, but they play really hard. Their teammates love them. Um, and then, like, they've got young big men. They're, they're growing them. And Gobert are obviously different, too. But just kind of, like, the team being better than the sum of its parts – um, drafting and developing really well, like finding hidden gems um, and being underrated, you know, like executing really well and not really necessarily getting a lot of recognition for that. Even after, like for the Heat, even after they made the finals, like there's a sense of like, you know, they were all, there were plenty of good reasons why they weren't playing well earlier, but it was all like, oh, they came, they came down after the bubble. And it's like, well, no, they came down with COVID maybe, but um, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily anything that was in their control. Um, so yeah, I think that would, that would be like, maybe like the heat beating the Nets, but like all the other, all the other, uh, East teams like really have like this, either, either it's a big market or like, there's like, a, there's like just huge star power, like the Bucks having like a two-time MVP and Giannis or the Sixers just being like a huge story and stuff. Like, it's just kind of. I don't know. I think I think it's probably just the Heat, and even then, it's kind of strange because like it's it's Miami, you know. And they had LeBron. Yeah. They have they have Pat true. Riley. They have mm -hmm. the the entirety of hashtag Heat culture, Heat propaganda, at their disposal. Mm -hmm. So maybe you guys have take note. Take note works in yeah. jazz. I've, I've taken notes. I've I've had to take some notes this season. Finally. At the beginning of the year, you weren't taking notes. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't taking enough notes at all. Is there anybody else that you haven't mentioned that you minorly believe in, think could make a run when it comes to the postseason? An eye on for the Jazz if they get that number one seed that could make noise come playoffs. I'm really curious about Phoenix. 
um, especially with the way that they're playing now. Like, I think they went through a lot of early growing pains to try to refit some guys around their, in their roles. Um, I still don't know if they're, like, really, like, being optimally used yet. I would probably take the Jazz in a series against them, but that's probably the team that I'm, I'm most curious about. Obviously, Denver as well. Like, the, the West just has, like, a bunch of teams that have – have, like, good guys that aren't LeBron James, you know? Like, I, th- I would even put, like, the Clippers into – I would say the Western Conference tiers are just, like, the Lakers are at the top, and then I don't really think tiers. the Clippers are – Oh, tier talk. Let's yeah, go. I talk about tiers. Um, and I'd say the Lakers are kind of, like, in their own thing, right? And then I think you have Utah, the Clippers, Denver um, as the second tier, right? And then – you probably then you probably have like the Suns. Suns might kind of like be building their own thing as well. Like they might just be in their own category right after them. But yeah, like there's a bunch of teams that still just have have quite a bit to to prove, quite a bit to improve, um, and they still have a lot of questions. Um, and the Lakers also have questions, but I also think that they're they're probably best equipped to to easily answer them. And if they can't, there is always there's LeBron James. So you know buyout market i'm sure they'll find something Mm -hmm. they'll figure something out not having ad really does give the jazz that advantage inside track to being team at the top of the standings Mm -hmm. enough basketball talk the oc you're an oc fan like i am were you watching it live did you catch it later when did you get onto this show that has shaped me um, <laughs> I caught it, I caught it live. I know I didn't catch it live. I think I caught it, I caught it in high school. I caught it right after it ended. Okay. Same. Yeah, what about I, you? I was right after. I was, I caught it in 08 because in 09 we saw Rooney live as they came to Salt Lake oh. City. It was in a hole in the wall concert venue. There were only like 50 people there. You could touch them. You were so close mm-hmm. to Rooney. It was 100% bang you're in there <laughs> were you like were you like luke at the rudy concert yes like yeah it's rudy rudy yeah rudy Seth, it's rudy yeah <laughs> that was me yeah <laughs> I, I also learned like a month ago that he's related to jason schwartzman who is the lead in rooney oh my gosh nepotism yeah no wow. it, it's a psyop yeah, Rooney is a sire. Oh, I did not want to know that. I'm sorry, but now you do. Oh, man. It's a part of the Hollywood machine. Oh, man. Gosh. Gosh, this is why people turn to cute, you know? What was your Marissa versus Taylor? What do you stand for? Oh, uh, I was always Marissa. I Marissa all the way of the core four. Really? I went Marissa because Seth, wildly unlikable. Ryan, no thanks. He's boring as a stump. Summer's two, and it's a close two. But I, I was okay with Marissa because she knew what she was, and she had the the best line of the entire series of saying, "Ryan, you're scaring me." And then Ryan says, good, because you're scaring me. That was a great scene. That was a great scene. 
also a scene that suggests that Marissa had no idea who she was. No, no. No, <laughs> no not at all. We knew who she was. She did not have any clue for a very long time, up until the point that, sadly. Um, okay. Okay. If we learn yeah. more about Teresa, I might have been a, in Teresa Hive. Teresa was really interesting. I do wish we got a little bit more of Teresa. Anna, you know what? The OC had some really great side characters. Anna was a great character. Um, yeah, Luke was, also, Luke was also a fantastic side character as well. But I was, man, okay. So Marissa, number one, summer two. Seth, okay, Seth, three or four. Seth's four. Seth is the worst oh my person. Gosh. Oh, Seth, destroy on sight. His, his father, yeah. Sandy, ultimately the most reliable and the best person that this country could ever produce. But Seth mm -hmm. is the direct opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in high school, I really liked the Seth character. And then, like, I, I rewatched the OC, and I was like, man, this guy sucks. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does suck. Like, <laughs> he's funny, but he sucks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just annoy annoy a girl I to know. make her like you. Yeah. Cool. It works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did always really like Ryan, though. Are you into the spinoffs that have come from the OC. Cause I, I think it started there with the sort of subtle wink at the camera for these new teen dramas, Gossip Girl, like a Riverdale. I watch Riverdale now, mm -hmm. pretty unapologetic about it just because it's, it sucked me in, but I know it's not as good as the OC. Riverdale's like, uh, Riverdale's like crack, honestly. Thank you. It's not good for you. <laughs> No. As soon as as soon as it's over, y'all got any more of those episodes? Um, but yeah, Riverdale is is not good. But I'm kind of in the same boat. And that was the funniest thing. Like I remember just saying, "Oh yeah, they're gonna turn Archie." Like I love I loved Archie comics as a kid. Like I, I had so many. I had boxes full of them. Like my um my cut my cousins like had old ones. Like I just had so many of them. Every time I went to the grocery store with my mom, I'd try to like sneak one in there, right? Um, and then we'd get into it a little bit because she'd be like, "Oh, I'll just take a smaller one, like talk less." And then, like you know, we go back and forth and all that stuff. But yeah, so like I had I had very I have like a special place in my heart for for Archie comics. Like it, it definitely takes me back to my childhood. So like when when the show was coming out, I was like, oh cool, like they're gonna do Archie comics like as a show. Like this will be just like this funny kind of non-serious teen show. And it was the exact opposite of that. There's like an after-school special every four episodes. It's kind of crazy, um, but it's entertaining. Um, Gossip Girl, I really liked. I liked the first season of Gossip Girl a lot. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was like almost Shakespearean. It really dropped off after that, but the first season was wonderful. Um, the the character arc of one Jenny Humphrey, fascinating. Um, and then it started to get more about like. Like, I thought it was a cool show when it was, like, you know, it was about the outsiders trying to get in. And they focused too much on the insiders. And I was like, dude, like, you know, we can all just say, like, I'm Chuck Bass until we die. But, like, man, like, it's just not that interesting. <laughs> you know, like, just not that interesting of a character. Um, and not really somebody you want to, like, 
like empathize with either. You know, I think I think it was better when like the the, the heroes and villains were a little bit more clearly drawn out. Um, then it got away from that. I thought the Blair arc, though, within all of that, was still pretty cool. Um, but Summer's a better Blair. Oh, Summer's a much better Blair. But, uh, no, Blair's no. No, whoa, whoa. They're just different. They're just different. I don't think they're comparable. I don't like just because they're like the brunettes of the show. They aren't like you know. They aren't like the damsel in distress of foil, right? Like, but Blair's a much much more different character than than Summer. Like Blair is like. Blair is fascinating and conniving and smart and just so insecure and just like one of like the the most spoiled and crazy but compelling and uh, characters ever like she's she's really interesting and like um summer is really interesting too but she's interesting in a different way like she goes a completely different way like she goes from like just this very self-absorbed teenager um who really only cares about like the party and the guys and like whatever to like really evolving and like being cool with like oh you know what I kind of am a little bit of a nerd and like oh I actually do care about the world and stuff and I do care about my friends and like actually just kind of like like getting out of like that teenage malaise of like following the rules and like pretending to be a thing that you're not in a much more like I think like much much more relatable than Blair Waldorf of the Upper East Side but I thought they were very different characters honestly but I like them both a lot I thought they were very interesting. I go Summer over Blair, if only that Summer was more relatable. You could actually see that person in the wild over a Blair mm-hmm. Waldorf, which you will never see unless you went to the Dalton school like Fred Katz. <laughs> Shut up, Fred Katz. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I know Summers, you know? I don't know. I, I know Summer, yeah. I don't know a Blair yeah. at all. Yeah. I know people like Blair, probably people that just don't have as much power or access and money as her, but I know people like her. Blair going after and trying to be career-obsessed person, I don't know if I would get along with a Blair. No, probably not. Probably The not. careerist person does not, mm-hmm. not seem like someone who would be okay with the small people in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of the Blair modus operandi. <laughs> were you okay in the oc last oc question that ryan tries out for soccer and never goes out for any athletics anymore oh yeah like he just never really like he just played for like three games he played for slide tackles luke and then so he could fight with luke (laughs) you know luke classic number nine he had the body of a soccer player you could tell Oh yeah, totally. Luke and like yeah, Luke and Luke and Ryan would do- both definitely play soccer. That was that makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah, they should have picked a different sport. Like it's Southern California. They should have picked basketball, honestly. Then like, oh my god, just like that 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 needs to be like if they ever do a spinoff of the OC, it just needs to be like Luke and Ryan trying to like cross each other up, and and Marissa's walking. Basically. If they ever do an OC spinoff, they should make One Tree Hill. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't want to be anything other than what I've been trying to be lately. All I have to do is think of me and I peace of mind. How changed is the OC if it is basketball? Because obviously if they make it football, it becomes Friday Night Lights and mm-hmm. yada, 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 whatever. If they make it basketball, what does the OC become? Well, I think it was actually, like, I think one of the good things about that show was that it really didn't revolve around sports at all. Like, other than, like, they had a, they had that plot point. Then they had surfing with, yeah. uh, with Johnny. Volchek! 
Oh yeah, Volchek. Volchek, of course. Of course. Man, like, oh man, the music the music in the OC was also The music was different. amazing. Like as soon as as soon as I heard heard that name, I just pictured it and like, oh man, I love her. I don't know. Like it's just like it's right there. It all comes back to you. Um like every time I even talk about scenes and stuff, it's like, you know, Caleb dies and you're thinking of like Hallelujah or like obviously obviously like the famous mm, what you say that was that was spoofed on SNL as well um but yeah like I, I thought it was smart that they like either like sports wasn't a part of it or sports was just something that was like they made fun of like they made fun of water polo for example like it was part of the larger culture but like not part of like the lives of uh, of the characters and I think that was probably good I like because then it, it actually allowed them it allowed music to do that actually and it allowed like comic books to be that like they kind of had to get creative with it um and I thought I think that ended up being fun and movies Spider-Man Kiss Oh yeah, oh that was so well executed. Really good. Like they, they really earned that moment. They did. Summer is going to. Summer's going on vacation with Zach, and 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 Seth is now acting like a little child boy. Is like just depressed kind of. And oh, you know what? I'm glad that the OC like isn't coming out now because I thought they handled like Seth being clearly depressed pretty well. Whereas like, I think like today's tv writing culture might make it a little bit too 13 reasons why <laughs> be like like okay so he had some he had some like you know regular teenage grade depression that we've we've all faced at some point in our lives and he was just like trying to watch um like new year's eve from new york on his tv and it's raining it's like raining for the first time ever in the oc and like that's a big thing episode is called rainy day women like they make a whole thing of it um and um also reminds me of the songs that they played. I think it was Champagne Supernova, right? For for this scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, yeah, so he ends up like, he's like, I will not be denied this one pleasure. And he's like, I'm getting on the roof. So he gets on the roof in a Spider-Man costume because it's raining. Um, and it's like the only thing he has because he lives in California. I'm just like, man, like, I'm, I'm, if, I was, if, I lived in, if I lived in California at the time, I'd be pissed off. He'd be like, yeah, like, they had jackets, guys. Like, yeah. people go for hikes, you know? Like, it's it's sometimes cold in January. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he gets on there, and he, like, ties himself. He ties his leg to a thing because he's like, you know, just in case I fall. He goes, like, I don't know, MacGyver on it. And then he falls, right, as Summer is running back from the airport because while she's in the airport, while she's in the airport, she sees a little small... Seth, like he could have been Seth's little brother, um, playing with a horse on top of a comic book. Oh yeah, which was just chef's kiss. And Zach, Zach being the mature man that that Summer should have ended up with, the the, the guy who's secure enough to say, you know what, if you if this isn't gonna be it for you, if you're not gonna be happy, then I think you should go to him. So she looks, he looks at her and he says with his amazing hair he says you can't fight fate and he kisses her and she runs away because he lets her go to her stupid child to the worst character so she can, yeah, so she could so she could take care of a gremlin um but, <laughs> wonderful scene wonderful scene i don't hate Seth, but i i find him much more annoying this time around than i did then um also nice to see a little bit of growth from him, from him um, in the later seasons, too. But the problem with season four was that 
Like, they needed Seth to grow up a little bit, right? But you couldn't have Marissa die and then Seth change that much in one season. And it was just like, whoa, this is too much. Like, you needed needed some of Seth's, like, just, like, stupid antics that just weren't... Like, I think Taylor came in and she then played the role of, like, the person that was going to, like, do the crazy stuff to try to get the guy. Um, but it just didn't... I mean, I like Taylor, but it was just a little too much of a change. Well, and I like Lindsay, too, if we're going back... Lindsay was well. definitely Ryan's best girlfriend, most compatible yeah. girlfriend. Absolutely, he would have, he should have ended up with Lindsay. Is wait, is the OC really just a show about how we all end up with the people we shouldn't end up with because we like self sabotage, or so or something happens? What to say? Mm, that you only meant well, well, cause you did. Mm, what to say? Mm, that it's all for the check out Sirat Sohi Yahoo NBA thank you so much for coming on Roundball Roundup thank you so much for having me on to talk about my favorite thing I appreciate it. Jazz in the OC.